0: In life you know there's always gonna be these hurdles and these challenges that are thrown at your way but in the beginning it may seem like there's no light at the end of the tunnel but there is there is and it may take us some time to find it I was fortunate didn't take me that long but I know for others it may not be as easy but the aspect of starting over is very scary it's very overwhelming and you just don't know where you'll end up, but it may be positive and it may open many different opportunities for you. Often people go through life changing experiences without any guidance. But what if you had the tools available to help you in your journey? I welcome you to the Misguided Notions podcast. Our mission is to create a space where we discuss thought-provoking topics with people that go through real-life experiences. My goal is to inspire, empower, and help build awareness to a number of issues that our society doesn't really talk about. So listen in, engage in conversation, and if you'd like, share your story. the Misguided Notions podcast. For whatever reason, social workers tend to get a bad rap. We rarely get recognized for the good that we do. There always seems to be negative misconceptions about social workers, at least in societal standards. Well, I wanted to highlight some bomb-ass social workers that I have the privilege of knowing that are doing such incredible things in our community. Why, you ask? Well, March is not only Women's History Month, but it is also Social Work Month. So to all the social workers that may be listening out there, happy social work month. I wanted to take the opportunity to shed some positive light on some of the good work we are doing in our respective fields. A couple of months ago, I was on YouTube and I found this amazing TED Talk that classifies social workers as superheroes. Give it a listen.
1: Everybody needs a hero. And in fact, at some point, when life throws us a big challenge, we need a superhero, somebody who is not scared to jump into the chaos and fight the good fight with us, shoulder to shoulder, right? So I've got good news for you today, because all around the world, cleverly disguised as mild-mannered individuals, we have thousands of superheroes, over 600,000 of them in the U.S. alone. We just call them social workers. Social workers are not just nice people with good hearts. Social workers are educated professionals who go through accredited university programs that are grounded in a rigorous research base. And what they learn there is part of what makes them a superhero. The two biggest things, they learn their mission, and they learn how to make change happen. The mission of social work is to promote, and support individual and community well-being and to fight social injustice. Social workers do that because we learn how to see and understand the invisible interconnections between people and their families and their neighborhood and their community and society and laws and policies. And we know that when those connections tangle or break at any of those levels, problems happen. So, we learn evidence-based interventions that can help solve the problems around those tangles and breaks. And with that, we can make powerful change happen. Now, a second reason that I like to think of social workers as superheroes is because, just like with a superhero, everyone is going to need a social worker at some point, because everybody's going to face a big challenge in their life at some point. Maybe the challenge starts early, and you're born prematurely. Well, who helps your new parents find the specialist or figure out how to pay those huge hospital bills or find a car seat for a teeny tiny baby? Hospital social workers. A little later on in life, you're in school, and maybe you're being bullied or you're thinking about dropping out. Well, who designs and implements the anti-bullying and the dropout prevention programs in schools? School social workers. Later on, as you get older, maybe you face one of those grown-up problems a divorce, or you lose your job, and you sink into a depression. Maybe you even start drinking too much. Well, who do you turn to for counseling and therapy? Licensed clinical social workers. Did you know that the majority of mental health services in this country are provided by social workers? It's nearly 70%. And then, there are those really tough end-of-life issues, your 86-year-old dad has Parkinson's disease but is insistent that he can live independently, who helps you figure out if he really is safe, or who helps you find in-home health or navigate those really difficult conversations about wills and power of attorney and DNR, geriatric social workers. Then there's the bigger picture who's running the nonprofit agency, who's organizing the community, who's fighting to make sure that the laws and the policies are just and fair. Those are social work managers, organizers, and advocates. So at some point, everybody's gonna need a social worker. In honor of Social Work
0: Month, I decided to create a series where every episode will feature a social worker that I have the opportunity to interview, telling our community how they got into the field, what inspired them, and how they make a difference in their current community. As you will see, our field is more than just about helping people. We facilitate change, educate, advocate, and assist people throughout challenging time periods throughout their lives. Let's talk about Alan Neiman, a Washington State-based social worker recently passed away of cancer, he actually left $11 million from his estate to a children's charity. How amazing is that?
1: Alan Nyman was a social worker known for his extreme thriftiness. So when he passed away this year at 63 years old, he surprised everyone by leaving most of what turned out to be an $11 million estate to children's charities. Now joining us for more is John Botton, CEO of Child Haven, who received, which received over $800,000 from Nyman when he died. John, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for so, having us. So, John, I imagine it must have been pretty surprising when you heard about this donation. What was your reaction? Yeah, I actually got a call from the office over the phone,
0: and I was—I um, actually had to pull over and said, "Could you repeat that, please?" I've—I've <laughs> I've heard of organizations that get transformational gifts like this, but I've never actually been in an organization that received one, and. And I still get goosebumps thinking about it. it. It was very emotional for all of us. I decided I wanted to give you listeners a little bit of insight into my journey and what inspired me into being in this field and also to let you know about the hurdles that I had to overcome along the way. So I've been in the industry for about 16 years now, and When I first started, well, let me go back. So I was getting my bachelor's degree in psychology, and within a year, I decided I didn't want to be a psychologist, which is what I always thought I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do some sort of aspect where I was advocating for people, being involved in social justice aspects, and I decided, oh, okay, social work. That sounds interesting. So let me look into it. So I did. And so I finished out my bachelor's degree, then I went on to my master's program for 2 years. And the school that I went to for my masters, I was able to do a specialization in health. I have always had an interest in health and medicine in that way, and I thought being a social worker in the healthcare field that was amazing. And I Got to do my internship, ironically, in a hospital setting uh, for my first year. And in the second year, I ironically did therapy. I realized I didn't really want to do therapy per se, but I did like the aspect of working in a hospital type of setting or maybe a nursing home. I even got a part-time gig working at a nursing home while I was in school, getting my degree. And when I graduated, I got an opportunity to work part-time, and I stayed there for a couple of months. Wanting to transition into a full-time position, I was offered a position at a new facility. So I worked there for about a year, and my then-supervisor went on maternity leave. And fortunately for me, the administrator at the time, she saw something in me and said, you know what, Sandrine, we... want to necessarily hire someone on the outside we'd love for you to be the director so I said oh my gosh yes (laughs) Um, so I was promoted and it was a great position and I absolutely loved it and while I was doing that because social workers we love our side hustles I got to do some consulting on the side and I did a little bit of independent contracting I was doing very very well fast forward to about six years later I had uh, an administrator at the time who, I don't know, she was different than anyone that I had had before. And I guess in hindsight, you kind of maybe see the writing on the wall. The writing was definitely on the wall, but I think there was some aspect of denial that I was going through. And I remember as if it was yesterday, it was March 17th, St. Patty's Day of all the days, and ironically, Social Work Month, I was called into the, what I will say, the principal's office, and I was basically told one sentence, your services are no longer needed. That was it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I walked out of there with my head held high. I was given a box to basically pack up one box, a small box, Um. I was given this box to pack up all of my things for six years. It was very emotional for me because I had made a lot of connections. I made a lot of friends in my uh, current at that at that time. I had, had been there for such a long time. And I knew a lot of the people working there. And so it was a very emotional time for me. And so luckily with their assistance I was able to get through, you know, again, I held my head high and I packed up all my stuff, and I left. It was a Wednesday. I don't know how I remember all this, but I do. And ironically, my best friend, shout out to Steph. <laughs> I love you, girl. She happened to be visiting, and she, I told her what happened, and you know what? She's like, that's okay. Like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And, you know, my my then-boyfriend, who's now my husband, also super supportive. My other friends were just equally as supportive, like, just like, you know what, you're going to cross this hurdle, like, it'll be okay. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I was like, I don't think I want to do this nursing home thing anymore. But I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So remember how earlier I was talking about how as social workers, we tend to have many different side hustles. So About a day or two after I was fired, uh, I had called my supervisor at the time from one of my side gigs, and I told her what had happened, and she was very surprised, but very supportive all at the same time, and she just said, you know what, Sandrine, take the time to reevaluate what you want to do, but I just want you to know whatever it is I can do to help you I'm going to make it happen, and I just want you to sit tight. I didn't know what that meant, but I accepted it, and I was very much optimistic about that, and I ended up going on several interviews here and there for different organizations, a few nursing homes, and I was like, you know, this... This gig really isn't for me. I I need something else. So about maybe a week or so later, my supervisor from my side gig said, you know, I spoke with the powers that be and we want to bring you on full time. If you want to do this full time, we would love to have you. But just understand that there's going to be a significant pay cut. It's going to be very different being full-time versus what I was then at the time I had been doing weekend coverage here and there I wasn't really consistent in the position so she said but I mean I would love for you to consider it and I didn't hesitate and I said yes I said absolutely I'm going to do it whatever it was I knew that I needed to crunch the numbers and just make it work and for me It was my own version of starting over because here I was in this one area for six years and then all of a sudden to have it just taken away, now I also had to take a significant pay cut, but at the same time, I knew many of the benefits outweighed the negatives and for me, the only negative thing was the pay cut and I said, you know- I can, I can do this, you know, whether it meant less going out, less traveling, I was okay with that, and I knew that I needed to accept that, and I made it work, and about a month later, I ended up working there full-time, and I'm still there many years later, I'm going to say it's probably been, what, maybe eight years now that I'm there, yeah, about eight years that I'm there, ironically, I'm actually going into my anniversary month next month, April, yay. (laughs) But doing, working in the aspect of healthcare that I am now, I work for an organization that I get to see people at home. I Yes, I'm working with people that are dealing with a lot of different health-related issues, but I get to assist them in a way that is so different than what I was used to. And I appreciate that. And not only that, I get to work in my community, which I think is amazing. And I'm really happy to see where I am now. And it actually is what inspired me to start this podcast because I felt that there were so many people that were going around without adequate information about real life issues that people go through on a day-to-day basis. And I wanted to have an opportunity to talk about it in a forum or in a medium where I could educate multiple people so that if they were ever in a situation or if they had a loved one who was ever in a particular situation such as this, they may have that feeling of support and just education. And so I'm very grateful and I have absolutely no regrets. And I can honestly say eight years later, I truly feel that This particular area that I am in is definitely my calling. I don't know where I'll be several years from now, but I know that I have worked so hard to be in the position that I am now and I'm truly, truly grateful. I'm grateful for the connections. I'm grateful for my clients that I get to see and I just love it. So just know that in life, You know, there's always going to be these hurdles and these challenges that are thrown at your way. But in the beginning, it may seem like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But there is. There is. And it may take us some time to find it. I was fortunate. It didn't take me that long. But I know for others, it may not be as easy. But the aspect of starting over is very scary. It's very overwhelming. And you just don't know where... You'll end up, but it may be positive and it may open many different opportunities for you. And I'm, again, very grateful for where I've been. And I just, for anyone that's listening out there, just know that it may not always be the way that you expect. But just know that many challenges that you go through in life, you may find a positive outcome. In the end. And I truly feel that is what happened to me. And I can't say this enough. But I really am grateful. I'm just grateful for that. So the next time you. Encounter a social worker. In your life. Don't think that it is negative. Because it's not. We're pretty badass. In what we do. And I. Hope that this series. Maybe educates you. And helps to. Let you to have a different perspective with regard to social workers and what we do in the field and I'm super excited to introduce these guests that I'll be having on over the next couple of weeks so enjoy let me know what you think be sure to subscribe rate review and tell a friend about the misguided notions podcast